to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we'll read several verses here this morning. According to the scriptures, we know that lawlessness is a characteristic of the last days, and I do believe that we live in such days. So in an atmosphere where Jesus said, iniquity abounds, we ask ourselves this question, how are we to rise above the sin-excusing culture in which we live? And obviously, I believe, above all, our faith must be firmly fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work at Calvary. That is the primary thing. Amen. All victory is attained by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But likewise, I believe we must rest in the Word of God and we must shun every false notion, all the half-truths and the religious lies that are so very popular in this hour. We know there is a web of deception, and that web is far-reaching and it is pervasive. And thus, we must be ever mindful of the schemes and the devices of the devil. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober and be vigilant. And those two words literally mean to refrain from intoxication, to refrain from intoxication, to be alert, to be aware, to be awake, and to be watchful. Amen. Why should we do that? The Bible says because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you, and he wants to devour me. One of the most common traps Satan uses to lure men further into sin is by lulling them to sleep by a false tranquility and a false peace. How often have we heard where compromisers will piously proclaim, well, I don't feel convicted about it. The Lord hasn't convicted me, and nothing terrible has happened to me. You see, they falsely reason because they neither feel conviction nor suffer judgment. God must approve of their sin, and he must approve of their disobedience. However, and this is the thought here this morning, we must always understand God's silence is not God's approval. God's silence is never God's approval. This morning, Lord willing, we're going to establish this absolute, and we are going to expose the lie of the devil. We're going to read first here in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read verses 15 and 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now look over in chapter 3. We're going to read here the first eight verses. Amen. Genesis 3, 1 through 8. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. 
And the servant said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Amen. Now turn over to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Because sentenced against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Here in the Genesis account, amen, of the fall, I believe if we look very carefully, our thought here this morning, God's silence is not God's approval is clearly demonstrated and clearly confirmed. May God give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your fear here today, Lord, for your terror. We do sanctify you, Lord, as our dread and our fear. We ask, Lord, that the Word of God Lord, be applied to every heart, Father God, with power and unction and divine authority. In the name of Jesus, I pray for light in this house. I pray that you expose all sin, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that your Son would be lifted up and magnified, that we would all be drawn unto him. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Here this morning, I'm just going to give you a step-by-step commentary on our text here in Genesis chapter 3. And I believe it's going to make this truth, God's silence is not God's approval. I believe it's going to make that truth real to us here today. The first thing that we see is God gives a command. There's the word of the Lord. It says in verse 17 of chapter 2, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. This is the command of God. Amen. Now, I want you to notice here that this command was given verbally. And it was given once. And it was given to Adam personally. And as far as we know, amen, it was not yet preserved, written or otherwise, for further review, for reference, or for evaluation, amen. It wasn't on CD, wasn't recorded on tape, it wasn't on the hard drive of a computer, amen, to listen to daily, though I'm sure that it was verbally repeated over and over. And perhaps it wasn't repeated enough, amen. Perhaps it wasn't repeated enough. 
But I want you to know here today, it's a good thing. And don't think for one moment I'm saying it's not good. It's a good thing, of course, as the Scriptures teach, for us to meditate and to quote and to memorize, amen, to be able to articulate the Word of God. The most important thing, though, is that we believe it when we hear it, amen. It's very important that we receive the commandment of God as it is, amen, without trying to explain it, without trying to necessarily understand it, but simply knowing this is the word of the Lord, and whatever God has said, amen, it is settled in my spirit, and I refuse to doubt, and I refuse to question. And yet, obviously, even though it was a verbal command, amen, it had not been preserved as far as we know as of yet, but God expected Adam and he expected his offspring to honor and to keep the command. Amen. I want you to grasp for a moment. Amen. God didn't sound this out every morning. He told him one time and he said, if you fail to keep it, you're going to die. You're going to die. May we fear God. Amen. No doubt Adam taught this commandment to his wife. And perhaps for caution's sake, he added the emphasis that we see his wife repeating when she talked to the snake. She said, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. You know, I'm only speculating, but I believe Adam was like a lot of husbands who probably told his wife, sat her down, and said, God told me we're not to eat of the fruit of that tree. And if we eat it, amen, we're going to die. I don't even want you to touch it. I mean, she was just reiterating what she was taught. And that brings up another point, particularly for those under authority. Remember, Eve did not receive the commandment by direct revelation. She was taught it by man. It was secondhand. You hear people say, well, you know, God didn't tell me that. If God said it in His Word, amen, and spoke it to holy men, as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost, and a preacher told you what the Bible said, you were obligated to keep it. You were obligated to submit. Eve didn't receive it by direct revelation. However, God expected her full and absolute compliance. And obviously, she knew the command. She could quote the Word of God. Amen. She even quoted it to the devil. Amen. She's way ahead of most professing Christians in America today. Because they don't even know the Bible. They can't quote it. And if they could quote it, they don't even know who the devil is. But she quoted the Word of God. She quoted the commandment. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said ye shall not even eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. She's erring on the side of holiness. She went, she sat under a good pastor who taught her the truth, and yet we find her in a place of temptation. A place of temptation. The devil brought God and brought his word into question. Amen. He cast a shadow on the character of God and his word by saying, Has God said? And I want you to know here this morning, 
if, if the devil is going to undermine our spiritual life, then he must tempt us, he must talk us in to receiving and entertaining that very thought, hath God said. That comes in a lot of different ways, amen? It comes from a lot of different angles. There's a lot of different, you know, paths that you can take that you would never know is really doubt and unbelief, really, you know, uh, denying or, 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 or doubting the Word of God. But for your spiritual life to be undermined, you must entertain that thought, hath God really said. Does he really mean what he says? Will it happen if I do this? Am I going to die or am I not going to die? You see, next we come into the temptation experience. The devil had lied to Eve. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. You see, the snake had come and he had spoken the lie. He had filled her mind with some things to ponder and some things to entertain. And apparently she did so. So with the lie, eyes of the serpent, weakening her resolve and desire pressing her to violate the command, Eve began to tremble with fear. And it had been instilled in her, amen, even though the devil brought a question mark behind the explanation, amen. The, the, the word of God says the day you eat thereof, you're going to die. And so she knew though, amen, she understood the repercussions and that fear was instilled in her. But yet she looked toward the center of the garden. She admired the beauty of the tree and its fruit. No doubt she felt discomfort, but yet she was curious anyway. She wondered, surely God will strike me down instantly for just thinking such things. But nothing happened. She thought, but nothing happened. Slowly, she moved toward the tree in the distance. I mustn't do this, she thought, but nothing happened. Surely the Lord will intervene. Surely He will strike me dead, or He'll warn me in some way if this is not what I'm supposed to do. And step after step, she took, but nothing happened. Nothing at all. When she realized that nothing had happened, she broke into a confident stride toward the center of the garden. And still, nothing happened. Cautiously, she moved into the shadow of the tree, but again, nothing at all happened. How beautiful it was. Its fruit-laden branches swaying in the balmy winds. She walked around the tree slowly and still yet nothing happened at all. Nervously, she reached out very slowly, touching a leaf, and then quickly drawing her hand back again. And nothing at all happened. She began to be more confident as she lingered in the presence of the tree, and she began to wonder internally, amen, all these things. All these things that have been told me, how can they be true? I don't feel bad. I don't feel any different. I don't sense any conviction of God's Spirit. I've even touched the tree and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened at all. 
She decided to touch the fruit. Cautiously with her hand extended only inches away, she waited for a sign. But nothing happened. Maybe God didn't mean what he said, she wondered. Suddenly she tapped the fruit lightly with her fingers, stiffened and closed her eyes, and waited for death to strike, but nothing happened. She waited for the thunder, perhaps a bolt of lightning or for some manifestation of God's Spirit and His anger, but nothing happened. Again, her mind began to race. Maybe the serpent was right. All these things, I believe, could they be wrong? Maybe all along I have been brought into bondage. I have been limited by a narrow mind. Could it be? Listen to me. She was brought to this place all because nothing happened, but she failed to realize that God's silence is never God's approval. She was mistaken. And the fear of God was being undermined all the time. You see, the root problem with, with Eve was she disesteemed the Word of God. We read about it in verses 4 and 5. The devil cast his shadow. He said to her, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You see, the lie of the enemy, coupled with the experience of temptation, were to undermine the fear of God. And we go back to our scene. Eve was even more relaxed now, standing under the forbidden tree, her thoughts filled with question after question. Why am I not dead yet? Why am I dead? God said, amen, that I would die. Why did God forbid such goodly fruit? The fruit was luscious. It was inviting. Amen. To eat thereof seemed so natural, innocent, and harmless. Amen. She began to reason in her mind with her limited perception. Amen. If it's wrong, then why doesn't God tell me something? He already told you something. That's what we want God to do with us sometimes. If He said it once, you're accountable. He never has to repeat it. And God's not to be trifled with, friend. He's not going to hear your excuses. If he said it one time, he expects full and absolute compliance. Why don't I feel what I'm doing is wrong? I'm not convicted. Did God really mean, maybe there's another interpretation than Adam's interpretation. I believe my husband might be a little too legalistic. It might have some deeper spiritual, some mystical interpretation. So it is with us, amen. We make complex what God has made very, very simple. You see, Eve had the word of the Lord. 
And she knew the commandment. Amen. And even though that commandment was secondhand, it was verbally communicated, it brought her into accountability. And so it is with you and I. We cannot live by what we feel. We cannot live by our experience. We cannot follow, amen, a crowd to do evil. Amen. Whatever the multitude is up to, amen, it doesn't matter but what saith the word of the Lord. You make no mistake about it here this morning. Whatever God said, He meant exactly what He said in the Word of God. And the thing, amen, that people hope it doesn't mean is the thing it does mean. It means exactly what it said. Somewhere between here and judgment, amen? Somewhere between here and the judgment bar of a holy God, amen? The Word of God is going to catch up to all rebellion. Somewhere between here, in this probationary period, if you're not really, if you're not sold out, if you're not consecrated, we're talking about a perfect woman who had no sin nature. Listen to me, amen? If your heart is not fully consecrated to God, between here and the judgment bar of a holy God. The rebellion is going to be exposed. The devil's going to exploit that ground. And just because nothing is happening doesn't mean that God approves. Just because you're rich and increased with goods and you can still speak in tongues, it doesn't mean that God endorses your unscriptural choices. You may foolishly assume that God's silence means that He's being tolerant toward pride, sin, compromise, and love for the world. But you are wrong. God's silence never means God's approval. You may still have warm feelings when you worship. You may have warm feelings when you witness or even preach. Amen. You can continue and live in the flesh and believe that those feelings, the silence of a holy God, approves of your lifestyle. But you are deceived. God's silence never, ever means God's approval. Such men continue living in the flesh, refusing to repent, refusing to forsake their sin, living under the deception that they would lose their feelings if, in fact, God was displeased. My wife pulled into the grocery store yesterday. She just so happened she pulled next to a woman who had a bumper sticker, two of them, on her bumper. It said this, it said, no matter what, with what underline, no matter what you do, God is not angry with you. No matter what you do, amen, the what was underlined, God is not angry with you. And my wife, amen, her heart began to beat. She knew, hey, she's got to say something to this. So she went over and the woman rolled her window down and she began to ask her, I read your bumper stickers. What what can I do? I mean, what could I be a homosexual and still be right with God? And she said, oh, no, you couldn't do that. Could I be a drunk? She went through a list of brazen sins. She, and, you know, my wife said, you know, the scripture comes to mind. God is angry with the wicked each and every day. And the woman, she had to agree. And, you know, finally she said, you know what? I'm going to take those bumper stickers 
stickers off my car. I'm going to take those bumper stickers off my car. That's the deception that we have in this hour where men believe that God's silence is His approval. But it's not. No, no. It's never His approval. You see, Eve, she will allow the Word of God to be undermined. You see, when we look to experience rather than the Word of God, we will always succumb to deception. As we know, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. But sadly, in this hour, so many walk by sight. They walk by feelings and by experience, especially in the modern Pentecostal church. We know we've heard it time and time again, but let's hear it again. Emotions can be deceptive, and feelings are very fleeting. Just ask Isaac. Amen. He relied on what he could feel to discern, and he was deceived. Just think about Samson. He relied on what he felt. Amen. The the manifestation of power for ministry in his life, but he was deceived by Delilah. Think about the Laodiceans who lived a lifestyle of lukewarmness, and they thought they were in need of nothing. They mistakenly believed God's silence meant his approval, but they were wrong. Psalms 50 and 21, God says, these things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself, but I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. That is the word of the Lord. Let's continue in our story. Slowly Eve reached out again, and this time she grasped the fruit in her hand, but nothing happened. She held it for a moment, breathing deeply in. She breathed the aroma of the succulent fruit, but nothing happened. In a sudden instant, amen, she jerked it from the branch, and still nothing happened. She glanced up at the sky expectantly. She waited for fire and brimstone, and still nothing happened. Nothing at all. She drew the luscious fruit close to her face and breathed in its pleasant aroma. Nothing happened. It had such a pleasant smell. She thought, it must be delicious. Still, nothing happened. She put the fruit to her mouth and touched it with her tongue, and still nothing happened. She broke the skin with her teeth to just have a hint of its taste, and nothing happened. And yet it was delicious, so she tried to take just one small bite, and it was like nothing she had ever tasted before. The sensation that she was feeling, the pleasure that it brought, amen, was uncomparable, and yet nothing happened. She took one bite after another. She pulled several of the fruit from the tree, one after another. And amazingly, nothing happened. Yes, the lie was told. The truth was sold. And sin would soon take its toll. Hebrews 3 and 12. 
2.14 say, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. You see, sin not only kills, and sin not only damns, but sin is deceitful. It will harden your heart. It curses the ability to discern. Amen. It hampers the reasoning process where you can rightly see. Amen. I want you to know here this morning, the Holy Ghost wants to warn you. You see, so often we think that we're different. We're the exception. We're not like other people. But there is only a thin veil between you and absolute, utter deception, maddening deception, utter darkness, not being able to serve between your right hand and your left. Just a thin veil. How do you think people out there get the way they get? Particularly backsliders. Because they refuse to retain the knowledge of God. Amen. They refuse it. And they cast it aside. And they are embittered. Amen. They become angry with the way. They are deceived. They become offended. And on that platform, everything is skewed. You and I are no different. The only reason we have any truth is because we are in Jesus. That is the only reason we know anything at all is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to fear because only the mercy of God and only the grace of God and only by the spirit of truth are we kept. Now, I want you to watch very carefully as Eve is transformed into the first liberated apostate. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You know, it can be confusing sometimes as we observe men who boldly violate the Bible, and yet they exhibit what we would deem positives in the Spirit. They seem to feel good. They seem to have the victory. They do good works. They're void of conviction if you try to talk to them about what's obviously out of kilter and obviously unscriptural. They look at you like you were speaking to them from another world. And then they can quote the Bible. They seem to be familiar with the scriptures. Sometimes that can be confusing. Why? Why is is this going? Maybe I'm legal. Maybe I'm just too narrow. No, no, friend. We need to also remember God's silence is not God's approval. God's silence is not God's approval. We revisit our story in Eden. Eve ran as fast as she could to Adam with the good news. Excitedly, she told him that she had eaten a delicious new fruit she had found in the garden. Perhaps he asked her where the tree was, and she replied, It was the fruit of the forbidden tree, 
and no doubt Adam reacted with utter horror. But before he could reply, before he could speak, she quickly added, and I didn't die as God said I would. I'm still alive, see? And I don't feel bad, and I don't feel guilty. In fact, I feel great. I've never felt better. I feel liberated. I feel free. The serpent interpreted God's commandment for me. And I'm convinced, Adam, we've been li living under legalism all this time. We've been in bondage to a bunch of do's and don'ts. And besides, it can't be wrong, honey, because it just feels so right. She said all that, and still nothing happened. Together they walked toward the tree with Eve doing all the talking, but nothing happened. When they came close, Adam hesitated, but Eve arrogantly strode to the tree, jerked off her fruit and started eating, and nothing happened. Then she pulled another off and offered it to Adam. He paused for a moment, then reasoned. It must be all right. I mean, she seems, so she's not dead. She seems so happy and so liberated. By now, Eve was oozing with confidence, smiling broadly at Adam. And strangely, as he observed, nothing happened Eve went into a little Hebrew dance and spoke in tongues and lifted up her hands and shouted a little bit. And then she gave Adam a big Pentecostal kiss. And at that moment, it didn't really matter what God said or what he didn't say. That's all he needed to be convinced that she was of God. So he reached out and he took the forbidden fruit in his hand and he plunged it into his mouth. Amen. And he ate of it. And suddenly something did happen. Their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. And a strange feeling of shame fell over them. Never had they felt before. Never had they felt regret. Never had they felt remorse. Remember that. Never had they these negative feelings for the first time since their creation. They experienced the shame and the guilt of nakedness. The glory of the Lord had departed. The glory that had clothed them was gone. And now they knew something was happening to them. You see, there's nothing more precious in the universe than God's presence and God's person and having a right relationship with God. Listen to me. The devil wants you to disesteem that. The devil wants you, amen, not to, you know, to really understand, to take for granted your relationship with God Almighty. I remember when we first went on the radio and we were playing, you know, just in the first few weeks and all the way in Hattiesburg, a man called me one day and he began to speak to me. He was very sober. It was right after, you know, one of the broadcasts, and he was very, very sober and very disturbed. And he began to tell me how he was once filled 
with the Holy Ghost and how he was involved in ministry and how the devil had come in in his life and in his family and he squandered what he had and went out in the world and as he spoke to me it put the fear of Almighty God in my heart as he began to weep and he began to cry and he said woe is me I'm lost and I can't find my way back it was terrifying to speak to him I tried to encourage him as best as I could but see once you cross that line friend listen to me once the spirit of God has departed oh what a tragedy Adam spit the fruit from his mouth as he screamed, we're naked! And they both began running toward a grove of trees nearby. Amen. As they worked feverishly to cover themselves, the sun was going down in the east, and the bright orange sky was dimming. Shadows began stretching across the beautiful green carpets of Eden. But they never realized it would be their last evening in paradise. Suddenly they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, walking through the garden, calling, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And frantically they ran into the thick of the trees and hid something terrible now was indeed happening. You see, usually when God would come and call for them, and He called them by name, their heart lit up with delight and expectancy. Amen. They were excited and even drawn in to the presence of the Lord. But now at the sound of God's voice, they were gripped with an otherworldly horror. Something that they had never, never experienced before. The last thing they wanted to do was to come into His presence. Something horrible had taken place. Breathlessly, they crouched in the bushes, looking at each other, paralyzed with fear. Eve began to weep. Something she had never, never done before. What's happening, Adam? What's happening to us? This is awful. What's going on? Adam's mouth was as dry as cotton. His hands trembled. And his voice broke with frantic emotion. Something he had never experienced before. He said, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But the last thing that we can do is go into his presence like this. We're naked, Eve! We're naked! The glory of the Lord has departed. Something terrible has happened to us. A strange, dark feeling they had never known began to grip them. Their minds became confused. Their thoughts were muddled and mixed up. They no longer sensed their purpose. Their conscience was utterly defiled, and they felt dirty, cowardly, and desecrated. The beauty of paradise became dim. Their desire to enter the Shekinah glory and to commune with God completely evaporated. Their communion with God utterly forfeited. They were dead and didn't even know it. And as they watched the Shekinah cloud 
move across the meadow of Eden. Adam turned to his wife and said, Eve, this was the part that the snake didn't tell you about. This is the part that the snake didn't tell you about. Finally here this morning, the application of his message to you and I. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Don't be fooled, saint of God. God's silence is not God's approval. Remember the apostle Paul wrote in Second Corinthians 11 and 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. We read through the story. Eve had dialogue with the snake, and nothing happened. She allowed illicit desire to coexist in her heart with the Word, and yet nothing happened. She disobeyed God with the commandment in her mouth, eating the forbidden fruit. Nothing happened. She enticed her husband, Adam, to eat, and nothing happened. She smugly ate the fruit. She wiped her mouth. Nothing happened. But when the presence of God came, all the smugness disappeared. When the presence of God came, all the justification. All the excuses, all the reasoning dissipated instantly in his presence. There was no doubt then that God had said, and we should have listened. Indeed, Judgment Day will be a horrible day for those who have compromised and played the game of religion, who have allowed the serpent of Satan to talk them in to sin and compromise. All the good feelings of counterfeit freedom will turn to a choking wish for utter death when we enter in to the presence of a holy God. There won't be any lengthy conversations, no long drawn out opportunities for excuses and justifications and even if you do utter one, God is not going to be There'll be no need for any of that. Just his presence. Well, one will make the unrepentant sinner flee to the other end of eternity. You look back in Genesis chapter 3, when God finally caught up with that Adam, Adam and Eve, he basically asked him one question Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded that thou shouldest not eat. And that's what God is going to do with me and with you. Did you obey the gospel? And did you do what I told you to do? That's what we're going to answer to. And there's going to be no gameplay with him. Don't be deceived. God's silence does not mean his approval. Let's stand.
you musicians that need to come to the altar, just forget about music. something you can experience today, pull out of your experience from yesterday. Like the old saying, you can't live in the smoke of yesterday's fire. You got to go out every day. Gather up that man. If not, it'll breed worms. It'll breed, you know a worm is a lot like a snake. Amen. Be careful. 
we pray that it would cultivate, Lord, that you would draw us under your shadow, that we would fear you, Lord God. For indeed, you are holy. You mean exactly what you said, Lord God. Help us to believe. Oh, God, let us be rooted and grounded in your word. Spark of life. Stir us. Draw us unto God. We pray, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would draw us into the altars once again. We would be the church that you've called us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Tonight, 6 o'clock, come ready to seek the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. Love someone, hug someone as you go. Thank you.